Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Creative and Balanced Podcast. Like always, I am your host Sean Siriani, and we got a fantastical episode for you today. I've never used that word in my life, fantastical, but that's the only way to describe this one, because today our guest is none other than the stand-up comedian, YouTube personality, actor, host, gaming aficionado, and so many other things. He is the man, Che Dorena. Currently, me and Che, we work together on this YouTube channel titled Central Vibe. And if you haven't seen it before, I recommend you checking it out. I promise you'll have such a laugh. It's absolute madness, basically. It's, it's really hard to explain. It's something you got to click on. And uh, yeah, I've been kind of co-producing that with him, editing his zany wild tangents but even before me and chase started working together uh, i've bumped into him on the stand-up comedy scene and wow he is such a great comedian and he also has an album out right now that you can find on spotify called tales from my butthole so much stuff to plug with che from his gaming channel titled little dinky news and also he's a prominent host on the famous youtube series most amazing top 10 which is a channel that's almost at 7 million subscribers so yeah che does a lot of things and uh one thing i think is really cool that highlights in this interview is if you see che's comedy it's absolutely insane it's wild i see the comment section on our central vibe videos beyond a lot of positivity and people saying oh this so i needed this laugh this made my day there's always a few people like this guy's a freaking moron this guy's wild he's an idiot like what's going on as Che's like eating bugs and like <laughs> purposely making himself look like a buffoon in a way but it's all super calculated and uh but Che is such an intelligent dude and that's gonna really highlight in this interview and also he is one of the most hardworking people I've ever met because beyond all these things I listed always on the go and um his energy is so positive and it's really inspiring and for example just the other day or just the other week he was um he was telling me about his busy day and what's, what he's up to and even had to run to like an audition after his busy day. And uh, yeah, if you turn on your TV, you can see him in a Bud Light commercial and like Chase just everywhere and it's fantastic. And I'm so happy to have his energy on the show today. But before we get into this one, I want to thank all six of you who are on the Patreon right now. Um, I appreciate you so much. Um, I mentioned this, that all the money that comes from there goes directly back into the show. And uh, you guys are actually covering a lot of web hosting costs for me right now. And I just want to say I appreciate you. And biggest shout out to Jeremy Hopkin, who is signed up for the producer tier. You are my co-producer. And I want to let you guys know that Jeremy isn't just a supporter. He's an amazing graphic designer. And I recommend you looking it up on uh, Instagram and Facebook titled Hopkin Design. And beyond the graphic design as well, he's also a historian. So he'll take like old photos of Toronto and like kind of then and now and like kind of merge like the past and future together or even take like a broken photo that's all like fucked up and dragged in the mud and wrinkled and he'll like iron it out and then 
fill in all the missing places or color like black and white photos. It's, it's incredible work. So you got to check out Hopkin Design. And if anybody's looking for any graphic designs needs, um, hit him up. He's a friendly guy. He's easy to talk to and a great guy to work with. All right. So with that being said, that's all I want to say for an intro. And without further ado, here's Che Dorena coming at you right now. This is cool because I've been meaning to ask you to do this show. And today you just hit me up randomly. It's like, hey, I'll do your podcast if you want. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, man. This is like one of the quickest ones we just jumped into that. That was like an hour ago. So Exactly. I messaged you and I was like, yeah, I'm free this afternoon. Let's do it. Yeah, no fucking around. And um, that's what I love about like your attitude and spirit. Um, I've uh, over the past couple of months, I kind of seen you behind the scenes, how you work and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, I noticed like maybe like as a viewer, maybe somebody who's a fan of your stand-up comedy to maybe seeing you in a commercial, like acting and stuff. I don't think they really realize like your actual hustle. Like, you know, like people <laughs> see this certain like wacky, zany, crazy Che. And um, I don't know, you, you got this other side of you, which is very fascinating. And I think it's like, there's there's a lot of power to that. Like how you're just always moving and like trying to yeah I'm, I'm trying shit. to yeah trying to get things done a lot uh i mean there's good and bad to it i i i'm I have a bad habit of putting too much on my plate mm -hmm. um but learning how to kind of balance those things out but the the like going into any sort of artistic endeavor as you get deeper and deeper into it you learn that a big part of it is hustle a big part of it like you see it in everything like you see it in uh in video games they're talking a lot about crunch now so mm -hmm. crunch is a big issue that a lot of people have to do but once you that's like being spoken about but in every single industry that's creative people are working huge overtime crunching super hard because they're doing what they love and in these fields if you're not willing to do that people will take your spot yeah it's true and um yeah lots of people don't know it never ends like yeah. sometimes uh, I notice, like on the show, I've had comedians, musicians, or whatever. They win awards, they get a movie role, or whatever, and then right, maybe they'll like enjoy it for a second, and maybe like they'll be at their movie premiere or whatever, and that's often it's just like, okay, time to work. What's yeah. the next one? What and, do I do now? They talk about that with guys after they win the Super Bowl and stuff. After someone wins the Super Bowl, they like uh, have this huge depression after because they're like, what do I, what do I do now? Yeah, like the the high was that moment, and then it's just like you, like almost don't even know how to process it after. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like I I made the dream, and then it's just like you turn into a drone, or like I don't know. Yeah, now you're like now my whole life is turned upside down. I used to have a purpose, and now I don't anymore. Yeah, it's so beautiful and tragic at the same time. Yeah, I'm like that too. Like with this shit, like just uh, over the past couple of years, I've had like some bigger guests and some people I really looked up to and like 
been fans of and stuff like yeah. that and like people like i don't know sometimes they talk to me and like they're still referring to guests i had like two years ago like i'm riding like this wave <laughs> like in my head it's like oh i forgot i even fucking recorded that like you yeah know? it's like no it's on to the next thing i think yeah. the grind is great and i find a lot of pleasure in it like i think there is there's a weird culture around it right now where you get people who get obsessed with like this hustle porn where they're like, everything is about the grind, never stop, never sleep, blah, blah, blah. But I don't like, I used to be more like that. Like my first few years in Toronto, I worked uh, at a brunch uh, spot. So I'd have to be at work at like 7am and I would do stand up all night and I was, it would be normal for me to get four hours of sleep several days in a row. Um, and I was just sacrificing my health a lot. Uh, and I never saw any like long-term damage, but I definitely was getting sick when I shouldn't have. There was one day when I just straight up got, like I pushed through not getting enough sleep, going to do shows, had did like three shows, then went to bed like super late. And the next day I was like sick right away. And it's like, yeah, you're going to catch a cold. You're like, when you push your body through that kind of stuff. And I also don't think that mentality necessarily leads to a fulfilling life. Like, I think it, there has to, some people, if that's all they want, they only want the grind. That's great. But there's certain things that I'm not willing to sacrifice. Like as I, I love health and fitness. And as I get deeper into that, like I, I'm like, my sleep schedule is very important to me. So I'm not willing to sacrifice my sleep anymore to do the extra show or to uh, post the extra video or whatever it is. Like I want some things to come first. And when you start taking those proper moments of rest to enhance your ability to hustle, you actually start producing better content. Yeah, it's so fat. It's like uh, I even realized like sometimes it's like you can get caught in that grind and like stopping for a day maybe in your your head it's just like oh no i gotta keep going but almost taking that step back like gives you the energy to even push it forward even further after you're refreshed and like just come out like the gates like even stronger or whatever absolutely yeah it's cool that you're realizing that and actually like taking care of yourself too because uh yes it's it's a weird fucking super important part super important part is the health and fitness and i try to prioritize it just just as much as everything else and this time i mean we've all been forced to take a certain step back depending on what you're doing like obviously stand-up comedy is in a huge backseat right now because of the coronavirus yeah um but this I've got to do a little bit of shows here and there. Uh, I like traveling outside of Toronto, going to places where it's like a green zone so you can still perform there. We doing those shows, I've realized while my stand up skills, like my going to material and like being able to I remember the pace and the beats of my set, those are very rocky compared to where they were when when uh, corona stopped but my hosting skills from working with top 10 and working on top 10 central vibe and these other things we've been doing those have actually gotten so much better and i didn't even realize till taking this step back from stand-up and allowing this like new personality to come through and then come into my other art forms oh yeah that's awesome and yeah it's it's like that whole time um like it's it's funny because like i know like a lot of like comedians like over this time it's like everything's shut off not no shows or whatever but you're lucky enough to be in a position with um the job at most amazing um 
doing YouTube content, like almost every day, like mm. you write a couple scripts a day and then you're in there and you're like firing on all cylinders. And I remember even talking to you the other day, like I, uh, I referenced a joke you made that I thought was funny and you're like, Oh, I forgot I said that. Like you're, <laughs> yeah. you're like doing so much there. And yeah, that's gotta be so beneficial to like the times when you are like, everything's moving slowly back to live shows and stuff like that. I'm sure. Do you, do you notice like a difference in like, your type of sets compared to like other comics who haven't like um, done it in a while or so it's been hard to see that's the thing is like i've only seen the people i've been performing with have been doing it about just about as much as me because i have this small group of comics who we do road gigs together mm -hmm. and we're able to to string together string together a few gigs and go uh go do them uh but uh, everyone everyone else i have no clue no clue how how people are doing i know certain areas of the country are doing more stand-up like i think in bc and out west there's much more work going on right now um i know out east there's like nothing i think the states has some stuff more like i know uh, california shut down but i think texas is having a bunch of shows um so it's i i really have no idea i think once everything's open again we're all gonna come back and it's gonna be it's very strange there's gonna be like a new there's going to be a new hierarchy of comedians. Like there's going to be a, all this new blood that comes in. Who's been doing like only zoom shows and they're <laughs> going to want to try stuff out now. And then there's also like all the old foundations, like the, the open mics you would go to all the time, all these old institutions, lots of them closed down. Some places like old comedy clubs have been here forever are like out of business. Like, I don't even know if the Rivoli is still here anymore. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. That's crazy to think about. Cause even like, lots of venues that were huge like concert halls that you think would be fine or like gone now too, like the mod club and stuff. It's yeah. like, so fucked up out there. But uh, yeah, I like to imagine there is this one person who hasn't done stand up yet, but all over Corona, like they just been like in their own cave, just writing and writing almost like the, the original Iron Man movie. <laughs> and then when Corona's over, he's just going to step on and just like fucking firing like missile jokes <laughs> you know that's so funny because that's yeah. literally my roommate my yeah. roommate i'm roommates with cameron phoenix he's the guy who i stream with oh, he, cool, cool. he is probably the most diligent person like i work hard but i have ups and downs like i'll have a night where i get like i'll go and party and then it takes me a few days to get back on track and i'm going really hard sometimes i'm too distracted i'm a little add and all over the place he's like he like meditates every day, works out every day, uh, writes every day. Uh, and there's, I feel like there's something else too. And, and he's just like, doesn't miss a beat. Doesn't miss a beat. He's like, I don't do a lot, but what I do, I do every day. So he has literally been writing every single day of quarantine, cracking out jokes. Oh, I admire that so much. Uh, let me know when he's doing his first set. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. To see all everything, all this stuff to get out. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, when in your life uh, did you get the first itch to want to try stand up? Do you do you remember that? Yeah, like I guess um, when I was in grade four, I did. Uh, there was like public speaking in elementary school, and I did my speech and I made it comedic and funny. And I did it. I know it was like good enough to get in front of the school. Like if you were good in your class, you got to stay in front of the school. And then I remember, yeah, so that was like grade four, grade five. I was like, oh, I'll do that. I'll I'll make a speech again. It'll be good. And the second speech, my one in grade four was like on my family. So it's just jokes about my, my sister does this, my dad does this, blah, 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 blah. Uh, then I tried to do one on the NRA in grade five. I don't know <laughs> why. 
<laughs> ambitious, you know. But it was so serious, and I was just up there shaking, saying a serious thing the entire time. And then I never really went back to any sort of public speaking until high school. And in high school, I remembered that moment in grade four was like, hey, I made a funny speech and it worked. So let's do that again. And so in high school, I was doing like funny speeches and I would do well and I would get to go in front of the school and then like go to whatever the regional public speaking thing is and say my speech. Um, but then um, then I like didn't do it for a while, but I consumed stand up all the time. And I, it, it, I think I wanted to do it, but I had no idea how to because I thought you had to be famous to do stand up. It mm -hmm. wasn't. I get like when 10, 15, I guess when did I start stand up? Like seven years ago, but I would have, I'm 28 now. So it's like, this would have been like, uh, yeah, when I was like 14. So like, like almost, yeah, like 14, 14 years ago when that was, when I was doing those speeches and stuff and I was doing those things, uh, to start getting into stand up and like probably the moment when I should have started, I had no idea that that's how you got into it. So I had no idea that you just went to mics and you went to shows and then you could start doing stand-up through that. I thought you had to be famous and people came to see you to do stand-up because you were famous. Mm. So I just left it. And then my brother started doing stand-up when I was like 21 or, tw yeah, I guess 21. And then he started doing it and I started writing jokes with the intention of giving him these jokes and I just kept them and I was like, if I can write them, just do it. And then I just did it. Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, do you remember like the first time stepping on stage? Like how you felt? Were you like scared or were you excited? Or I remember first, I don't remember being afraid, but I do remember that I drank three beers exactly to be like, I need to calm the nerves kind of thing. And I, but I don't, wasn't that rattled. And I remember the set going well. I remember it being like a, a fun time. Um, and I I never I didn't have a hard bomb until I was maybe like a two months in or something mm. and I had like a really hard bomb but then you like bounce back from your hard bomb and you if, if you can do that then you can just keep going yeah definitely like feeling like the both sides of the 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 scales like to the very high to the very low and yeah. um yeah I've uh, dabbled in it over the years and uh, I've had like some really great sets and some really shitty sets but it was funny it's like my first time was was great like i won a, like a competition for first timers oh right and, on uh, then like i don't know what was going on in my head like in my brain like the ego was like going crazy it's like i'm the fucking best i'm gifted my second one i bombed so hard i like <laughs> barely prepared and i thought i could just wing it and i was yeah. like up in front of like some uh some really well like seasoned comics in like hamilton and the room yeah. was just like dead silent i was like oh, oh man but that's back but I, i'm kind of glad i had both of those experiences oh for both. sure it's good to have those experiences and it's good to have those bombs and that happens to everyone who has a good set because like you're literally getting high off of this. Mm -hmm. You're getting like a blast of dopamine of like getting these reactions of, per of every person laughing in the room. And so you do get off stage feeling like the man, feeling like you <laughs> yeah. could do anything. And so you having those bombs puts you back into place, but you get that all the time. You'll get comics that come from outside of Toronto, from like s smaller areas. Like you get like the funniest guy in like Cornwall or some shit like that, like some smaller <laughs> town. And they'll come to the big city and then they'll try their hand at stand up trying to be like, I'm so funny. And they'll go up and they'll bomb and they'll bomb and they'll bomb and they'll bomb and they'll bomb. And some of them break and just leave. 
and but some of them can endure and then like can keep going through but it is a, a the bomb being comfortable with the bomb is a very important part of the process yeah yeah it's almost like in you you got to be comfy with it too because that's where you're learning like when you fuck up like i always say like the yeah. best lesson is a good mistake but then it takes a certain type of person to kind of step back and analyze okay what went wrong or i guess some people are just like freak out and maybe never be seen again they're just like <laughs> i can't go there again or even think about it like type of thing and no yeah some people like yeah some people can't can't handle it and it's it's fair it, like stand-up is something i never have understood why people are hobbyists at it mm-hmm. like if you want to be I, i'm not going to tell you not to it's just i don't i don't get it because it takes so long and so much work to get the good shit out of it so if you are only doing it as a hobbyist it's like only the worst parts of stand-up all the time you're mm-hmm. like you're just going on stage at like shitty shows and and the crowd's not that good and you don't get to develop your material a lot. And, but, and to each his own, some people, that's all they want out of standup. But I watched that. And I'm like, that seems like suffering, man. Just seems <laughs> yeah. like you're punishing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure like some people get seeds of like what can be a great bit. And then they never like uh, put in the work to carry it to the next level or whatever. It's like exactly. almost resetting over and over and over. And like, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much the course that they go through. Yeah. Um, when was like uh like during this experience in your journey, when was it where you like, I think I can pretty much do this full time. Like whether like, just like entertainment in general too. Uh, I think when I made the move to Toronto, like yeah. I was doing it in Mexico first. That's where I started doing stand up. Oh, well, I was, I, so are you originally from Mexico? I think you told me you were from Vancouver. Or yeah, like, yeah. I, I grew up in BC until I was like 18. And then I traveled around for a little bit. And I ended up in Mexico. Uh, I was a scuba diving instructor out there. And oh, cool. Yeah, it was great. It was super fun. That's amazing. Um, And that's when I, like my brother started doing stand-up. And I was writing these jokes. And I was like, I was literally going to like like scan them into a computer and send him these jokes. Uh, and then I was just like, just do it. And I found one place in the city we were in that did stand up. And it was just a, it was a bunch of Canadian guys actually who were, who were doing shows for expats. And, uh, I was like, yeah, uh, let me, let me give this, give this a shot. And so gave it a shot. It went well. And then they we would do shows once a week. And I did that for, I want to say for like a year out there. Uh, maybe it was maybe a little longer, but just like, once a week we do shows and then there was gaps when like September they didn't do any shows cause it was really slow. So there's no tourists. Uh, and I just kind of got a feeling for it. And I'm really happy I started like that. Cause if I think if I started in Toronto, I might've not done it because starting in like the city, while I think you get a head start on everyone else because you're going to be getting way more stage time, way faster. You're going to be able to w- make more mistakes. You you're going to get punched and hurt and roughed up like by stand up way worse in the city. Like when I came to the city, I had the same chip. I was like, I'm, I'm fucking so funny, blah, blah, blah. And I came and I got rough, but I at least had a few jokes where I could have okay sets here and there. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, but it was that first year in Mexico where I was like, got the foundation of understanding how to do stand up, And I got good enough that I was like as good as the people around me or not as good, but like where I was, could see myself improving and I loved it. 
I really loved it. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And it was the only thing in my life that I ever made a choice on that was mine, that I was like, this is what I want to pursue. Like I, when I was a kid, I started boxing and that was because my parents put it, me in it. And I was like, I did that for like six or seven years. The scuba diving, my parents were like, you have to go straight to university. So I found a course through university to do scuba diving. Then um, that just like, I moved to Mexico just to keep chasing that and like to kind of move out of my house and be on my own. And then, so stand up was the first thing that like, I started doing and I was like, I like this. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to make my choices on this. And it was the only thing I ever worked hard at too. It was the only thing that I ever started like writing jokes for. I would like, I would push myself to get better at it. I had never worked hard at anything ever before in my life. School, I copied off of everyone. I like seed my way through, through all my education. Didn't like read anything. Didn't do any homework. I didn't even read my first book until I was like 20 or 21. <laughs> I, I relate just, to that man i was like i don't want to do anything i had no inspiration in life and this was the first thing that made me feel inspired it made me feel like i could be great at it and made me feel like i could if i worked at it i could produce something worthwhile um when my when i was a kid my dad i used to throw my backpack in the corner all the time and i would get c's and my dad said to me he's like he's like you come home you put your backpack in the corner you don't do any homework and you get c's imagine who you could be if you tried and when I was doing stand-up, that was, that was literally ringing in my head. I was like, okay, I'm going to try really hard at this. And then I, I was like, if I want to do this, I need to go somewhere where it's happening. And I sold all my scuba diving gear and I moved to Toronto. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And um, I think it's a sign when you have that kind of fire that almost like, like, as you explained it, like you're saying, like it changed you, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, how you were as a student and everything. And then all of a sudden, like maybe like teachers, like back in the day, they know you as like this lazy Che who does fucking dick all. But now like you're working harder than everybody. Like I see you almost <laughs> like every, every day or every couple of days of like just your hustle and stuff like that. And it's, um, yeah, I think, um, it's totally means like you're doing what you're supposed to if like, that's I hope so. Like, there. like, I feel like the content that like we're making on Vibe, like I feel great about it. Like I feel <laughs> that we are, we're, we're putting stuff together that I'm like, it's an authentic presentation of my sense of humor. Mm. And it's taken me a long time to get there. And that was something when I was last gigs I did since Vibe has kicked off. Uh, and since stand-up has been put on hold, I haven't really got a chance to host. And it was like my first time hosting again. And I was like hosting like I host on Vibe. And it was so authentic to me and translating so well into stand-up. And I was like, oh, now I'm in such a better place. And I do, f I, I, I feel like I am doing what I'm supposed to do. Hopefully yeah. to an extent, like uh, who knows where I'll be 10 years from now. Yeah. Do you find um, doing those vibe things uh, kind of cathartic? Because I find as an editor, it's like just freeing. There's no fucking rules. Um, yeah. Even I feel like you're almost an extension of my type of humor as well. So even though I'm not like saying all the jokes, I'm like, yeah, this is the shit I want to put out and maybe I'll sprinkle a little spice and explosions and stuff on it. But yeah, uh, but yeah how does it feel to just get in the zone and stuff like that and just let loose because that's what you're doing like i get all the raw footage and there is very little i cut out too which a lot of people i don't think they know when they watch that you're just like sometimes fall into a groove of a tangent and it just goes places and it's fucking like it's magic you know 
I think, um, I think that the thing that vibe has really helped me with that is like an improv thing. And I, I, I took improv acting lessons, which helped me a lot, a lot in acting. I wanted to like book more commercials and stuff. And so I took some of those things I learned there and I applied them to vibe. And it's just that the first idea you come up with roll with it don't like if you think of something don't go oh it's not good enough because then in that moment you're going to start second guessing everything you do and and then you're not going to be have the jokes coming out faster and especially for something we're doing like this where you can edit out bad stuff i'm like just fire just start shooting 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 and something good's going to come up because that's what we do in stand-up too you write as many jokes as you can you fire these jokes off at people and some stick some don't uh but i think understanding how to do that understanding how to just like let the let whatever comes to mind flow out of me in in joke form but also years and years and years of doing stand-up you the whole thing they describe of like finding your voice it's i don't think i'm there yet but i do think i've i've honed in on what my sense of humor is and in the last like i would say like two years ago i understood how what my sense of humor was and how to start writing jokes like that and having the audience respond to it because when you first start stand-up you might try to do that but you have no idea how to translate your sense of humor to the audience mm -hmm. and you my first few years of stand-up was creating content and then creating content writing jokes jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> so formal <laughs> yeah but it was writing jokes and then presenting them to the audience and seeing what kind of response I would get back from them. And then you learn what jokes work and what jokes don't. Then like two years ago, I started writing jokes. I'm like, I legitimately find this funny. It's not just what works. Mm. And I was like, okay, now I'm starting to translate my sense of humor. And the first batch of jokes worked and then the second one didn't. And I had to l really learn how to do this. And now in the past year of stand-up has been a process of, learning how to translate my sense of humor into jokes that that the audience can understand and from that entire process of stand-up mixed with like trusting yourself and what you think of in the moment is what i funnel into vibe it's like i understand what my sense of humor is so when something is presented to me like a quite like we do are you smarter than a fifth grader and the questions about bed mass i know what i think is funny about bed mass because i'm in touch with my sense of humor and then i try to translate that through the moment in with the first thought that comes to my mind Mm, yeah and it seems like um i don't know you've been like obviously practicing your craft for like so many years and just that style of humor and stuff it almost turns into uh like when i watch like the raw footage back of stuff it seems like this unconscious flow you like snap into it's almost yeah. like if you see like a great guitar player just soloing but not knowing where it's gonna go and end but it does have like that ending like punch to it and stuff like that it's um yeah I don't know. I just appreciate it. I think like on another level, just being able to see you do your things behind the scene too. It, and it, uh, it makes me just want to work harder at shit, even though I'm doing different things. Than you. <laughs> like, but you like your, your understanding of comedy is like, so like, that's what makes the video so good is you're able to understand what the punchlines are, what the jokes are, what the bits need to be edited in color changes, like uh, flashbacks, all these kind of things. Those and like, those enhance the video tenfold. The editing is so important and you have a keen eye for comedy. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Actually, I think too, doing these vibes, like in them being so random, like I've um, 
been working with uh, most amazing for like two months and I already feel like I'm like three times better as an editor than when I started because I'm doing this every day and also I never know what you're gonna say like you've like almost like three times or three or four times in a vibe video I'm like animating something for like the first time like you're talking about like duck bill bidets and like it's like I've never made that before and then people are asking me like how do you do this these edits I'm like I don't know I'm just fucking winging it there's a deadline I'm panicking (laughs) I still want it to be good but it's like um I don't know that pressure's uh, helped me grow so much so I thank you and Landon and everybody for putting me in that fucking position it's uh it's really interesting. I also think what's amazing about most amazing and being in that environment, um, just kind of being around so many different creative minds. And I know like a lot of people know you guys as like, um, like faces on their YouTube and stuff, but everybody has their own like different side hustles, whether it's channels and even like a lot of the editors or photographers and stuff. And it's just, um, it's like a very like warm, like creative feeling in that building, which I really appreciate, man. Yeah, no, it is. It, it is the the work environment the way we work it is incredible, and it helps us create better content because we like working with the people that we work with. Um, and also, yeah, the side hustles help us bring other creative fields into what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really like, yeah, I have a, I have a great time working there, and I've improved so much as a host. Like I looked at I've I make content with Herb, and I've done the stuff with them for years, and it's on again, off again. But I looked at some of the stuff I did with them, like, I don't know, like five years ago or four years ago. And like my hosting, I'm like, so like, no energies, like I, no personality. And what I'm, how much better I am at it because of what we've done and working at top 10 and all these things. I'm like, oh, I'm 10 times the host I was before. And these skills will play into future work down the road of like stuff outside of standup or even it, like I've explained, even into standup, these you know, working on these other art forms outside of it will help grow you as an artist. Yeah, definitely. Even like uh, just doing stuff like that. It's sometimes like you won't even realize you're picking up skills and then you're in another job position and it's just like, perfect. It's like, okay, I know how to do this. And I know you've been doing uh, commercials as well. And as I see like in the vibe com- comments, like every couple ones, it's like, Hey, were you that guy in the Bud Light commercial? <laughs> Which yeah. is awesome. But um yeah, so like outside of um, like the comedy, um, the YouTube stuff, you're you're on the hustle. Like I, I think even like the other day, um, we were just small talking, and you're like, "Oh, I, I'm busy today. I gotta go to an audition after that." So you've been like actively getting out there, even like throughout like uh, these Corona times, and, and still working and and getting these gigs and stuff. Um, how was that side of the stuff, like commercials and like acting i have been super lucky super lucky that um i've been like employable this entire time uh like the acting stuff has it it shot up and now i think it's coming back down again because we went to a second lockdown but it got super busy because there was a bunch of work that was getting pushed up from the states to canada and canada's trying to make more uh film and tell they're trying to build the film and television industry here and that's not my be all end all but i'll take what comes 100 so i've been super lucky in that front um i've been like focusing on twitch and youtube and stuff because like the game space is something i've always wanted to do stuff in because i just Play. I've been like obsessed with video games ever since I was a kid. So if I can take my skills as an entertainer, like I looked at like like what Joe Rogan has done. Joe Rogan was like a fighter forever, then was an actor, and it's like 
he mesh that into being a UFC commentator. It's like the perfect blending of the two worlds. Yeah, so yeah. And like, he's living his best life, like all his like yeah. favorite interests. He's like just making a living off of it and like at the highest level. Like it's absolutely. Amazing. So I'm like, that's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. He gets ringside at every awesome UFC fight and gets to commentate on it. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, okay, what's something I have a long backlog of knowledge on that I can take from and I can um, and I can apply the skills that I already have. And I was like, I know so much about video games. Like I listen to a daily video game podcast and I'm like, I should do something with all this knowledge. So that's another thing I've been doing in these times to like keep myself working on stuff, keep myself doing things and make sure I'm like expanding on passions that I like. Cause as much as the acting stuff is great, it's not, uh, I don't find it as fulfilling. Um, and I'm not, not, I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I don't, consider myself an actor because like real actors do like hard scenes and like I've never even done like I did like one scene in a short film once I've never uh, and besides that's only been commercials I've never done like a monologue or like a back and forth or like anything like that that's like uh something that's way outside of anything I know and I don't know if I want to learn those things yeah, you kind of slipped into one at the last vibe, the the Tony Montana in a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good times. <laughs> See, that's fun. That's fun. And like, I would maybe do like sketch and stuff like that. Like, I think those things would be really fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know about acting. Um, I don't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, but it, yeah, that's cool that you're doing the stuff with the video games as well. It's like, uh, it makes sense, you know, and if you can have fun and like be productive at the same time, that's like, I don't know, for me, that's kind of like the best feeling too. And mm-hmm. uh, I had a similar like inspiration with doing the podcast as well. It's almost like, I just love really good um, conversations and I listen to way too many podcasts and also over the years of my videography life I'm diving into all these different art cultures from like battle rap pro wrestling stand-up comedy music industry and it's like mm-hmm. yo, I have an infinite amount of stories around me and that yeah. aren't being told either which um, I don't know it's kind of like uh, turned into this thing that really feels good and right like I'm supposed to be fucking doing this and that's amazing it's like there's so much work that goes into it that a lot of people wouldn't understand or like even know about, which I purposely don't like to talk about that side of it or whatever. So they like kind of get lost into it still. But um, even though like I'm working so hard, sometimes I'm working myself sick. <laughs> it still feels like, um, like I'm just supposed to be doing this in a way. It's like almost this weird unconscious, uh, thing that's pushing me towards this direction that's almost like even hard to put into words like it's just a feeling you know yeah and I think that's the feeling you kind of gotta chase when you're like I I want to do this thing uh I have a passion towards it and I feel like I can do it well it's like yeah totally chase it down um no matter what it is like some people uproot their lives to go chase something they want to do and they're so much happier afterwards mm-hmm. and it's it's i think that's an important thing to do uh because i don't know if you don't do that then you're just kind of like sitting around waiting for what it's like what's the point in all this we might just all end up dying being holes in the ground afterwards so it's like at least have a little fun on the way yeah definitely too i, f- I find too like sometimes people um get discouraged because it's not always the safe route and um I don't know, in my 
experience and even seeing some of my friends who have like little talents here and there like maybe their their family will be like hey don't do this it's, it doesn't make sense like financially and it's like coming from a place of love they actually care but um, yeah I'm always the opposite now when I see somebody with like a little interest. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm like, fucking do it, Joe. Yeah, follow Joe. it, man. You're yeah, going to fall. 100%. You're going to get an eviction notice. You're going to, it's all part of the journey. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Dude, what I 100% agree. What I know when I see someone who has like a little interest in anything or like an opportunity or they're like, they, they're like, I'm thinking about doing this thing. I'm thinking about trying, like, just go do it. Just go do it. Just go do it right away. That's like with standup when people are like, I'm thinking about doing standup, but I'm like, just go, just go do a set. Just go do a set and see what the fuck happens. Like you, the worst thing that happens is you bomb and guess what? You're going to bomb anyways. I guarantee you're going to bomb. If you keep doing this, you're going to bomb sometime. So might as well just go do it. Yeah, it's inevitable. Like every great comedian from Chappelle to Burr to to oh, fucking everybody. Pryor, they all have a story about bombing. Like it's yeah. part of the process. <laughs> like no one, not- no one escapes it. No one escapes the bomb. <laughs> Do you have like a real heavy one that like when you think of it just oh, like- So the worst one I ever had, I was like like I was like maybe two, three months into stand-up. And I was, I told this guy, I bartended at this French Canadian sports bar. Um, so it was in Mexico. I worked at French Canadian sports bar, which is bizarre, but this is something that's like actually common. A friend of mine said that he went to a, a French Canadian bar in Thailand um, because wherever French Canadians are, if they find other French Canadians, they're like, we're fucking, we're buddies now. Fucking the Habs, poutine, let's fucking <laughs> yeah. hang out. So I worked at this place and he sent, found out I started doing standup. And he was like, oh, you know what you should come do? You should do stand-up in my bar at, um, not halftime, what's it called? Intermission during the Habs game. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I don't know anything about stand-up at this point. I don't know how fragile stand-up is. Like, it's this thing that's like, you need low light. You need the room to be closed. And everyone needs to be paying attention. And yeah, you can't have, like, servers walking around. If someone steps on your punchline, it fucks up the whole thing. It's like, I know you don't know any of these things when you're starting out. So I was like, yeah. Brought a mic. The mic couldn't hook up to the sound system. So I had to yell a comedy set at like 150 French Canadians at intermission of the Habs game. Half of them barely spoke English. I don't think I got one laugh. And it was in front of people I worked with. So in front of, (laughs) I didn't tell them, I'll be doing stand-up, it's going great, all this shit. And it's front of people I work with. I eat a horse's dick so (laughs) hard. And I just had to, I just walked to the bar after and a guy bought me some shots and he was actually a comic and I ended up doing stand-up with him later. And I, he knew, I didn't even realize what had just happened to me. It was yeah. like, what he was seeing like the bigger picture. Yeah, like, he was watching it like, oh my God, like, <laughs> this is this is horrifying. <laughs> but I just walked to the bar and I was just kind of obviously like shook, but just like, uh, and he just bought me some shots and I kind of like, just moved on i think back then and even now i'm a little too maybe too carefree to realize how horrible some things are because i'm like <laughs> thinking back on that i'm like that was like that was horrible that was that <laughs> like not one laugh 150 people staring at you they don't want you to be there and your your friends are there watching you bomb <laughs> 
And I was like, yeah, this is fine. Like any other person would have been like, I quit this place and I'm moving back to Vancouver. I can't be seen here again. Bro, that's a, that's a superpower to continue <laughs> and keep going, yeah. man. Oh, I wish I had that. Like, But it didn't even register to me that how, how embarrassing it should have been. I just was like, yeah, sure. Well, whatever. uh, i I forget i think i think you mentioned like in a video or like a blooper or like maybe just around like a lunch table that you don't have that switch where it's like when you like bomb you're not like um you're you're not humiliated by like a lot of things or yeah Yeah. you have to be able to deal like now like later in stand-up it has to like i if i had that level of bomb now i would be like eh like i would feel shitty like say if all my friends came out i went back to vancouver they haven't seen me perform in so long and i bombed in front of everyone some girl i like is there i would feel shit but i'd be like hey man you know that's the game and i'm so much more immune to it now in stand-up you have to like be able to face some of the most embarrassing (laughs) moments of your life constantly you're like constantly going up with a chance of embarrassing yourself in front of a group of people and you have to be okay with that the you learn how to feel good about the bomb uh and also like what to take away from a set in terms of like where you turn when you are bombing like sometimes if a joke isn't going over well or something and you like switch to crowd work the crowd work doesn't work and then you switch back to material and that's not working like uh i will feel shittier about a set if the sets say I'm doing like new jokes and they're not going over very well, but they're like doing okay. If I switch back to old material and just finish the rest of the set with old material. And then I, I end the set with like a C plus or like a B or something. I will feel way shittier about that than committing to new material the entire time and just bombing and just being like, well, that was it. like, I'll never do that on a show when I'm getting paid or like that's substantial, but, um, but that is because to me, that's being like cowardly in your material. It's like you, you're, you were, you threw away the opportunity to develop new jokes because the new jokes are going to be rocky at first. You threw away that opportunity to not look foolish in this moment when you know you're not foolish. You know you're a decent comedian. You know that you can do this because you've done it before. And so you're, you just wasted time and you still didn't do that well. Yeah, true, true um i've seen i'm not going to name any names but like going to live uh comedy shows i've seen some comedians and they've had like the same act for like eight years <laughs> and ah. it's just like i don't know it's like like as a creative myself like i don't know how you can do that mm-hmm. like and still um i don't know have a drive to keep doing the same thing over and over like i feel like I don't know if it's like an ADD brain or whatnot, or I have like an addiction to keep growing or whatever, but I could never just ride a wave of the same thing. And then like years later, like the same people are seeing you all over again. It's like, yo, I saw this set like five, six years ago. And it's like, yeah. it yeah. hasn't gotten better. There's not even new tags on it. Like yeah, what have you yeah. been doing? Yeah. It's crazy. It's uh no, it's, it's, it's kind of both a gift and a curse with stand-up where it's like if you want to be, I don't know, respected in stand-up and have a build an audience, you have to constantly be creating new material, which is great. Like it's a challenge, uh, but you, it's like got to push you to keep making stuff because if Bill Burr, any like great comedian, releases a special and there's the same jokes 
even one or two, even one, if there was one joke that was the same from one special to the next, people would be like, what the fuck? You did that joke twice? Like, no. And like, maybe when you're really early starting off, you can get away with recycling shit like that. But if you, if, if Bill Burr has a Netflix special and there was a joke that's the same and it wasn't like some sort of acknowledgement or it like change or it was a bit in itself, then people would fucking be like, what the fuck are you doing? Where I think on the other side, you have like music and music, people want you to play the hits, which yeah. must be good and bad. Like as an artist, you probably are writing new songs and you're like, I love these new songs. And then you go and you're on tour and people are like, no, play oh, Uptown Girl, play it again. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to fucking play Uptown Girl anymore. Play Uptown Girl so many times. <laughs> yeah. I was like my experience uh, seeing Metallica last time, like a two, two years ago, it's just like they had the new album out and every time they play like, a couple of the new songs, the audience, like the excitement kind of gets down. And then yeah. it goes back to like Master of Puppets. It's oh man. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, the opposite, like yeah. with comedians, you know, it's crazy. And I don't know what that's like for a musician. I've never been a musician. So maybe they do like playing the classics over and over and over and over again, but maybe they don't. Maybe they want to just be like, hey guys, like this new shit, because I don't want to play yeah. this old shit anymore. I've had so, uh, Kim, Kim Mitchell on one of these episodes and I asked him about his song Patio Lanterns, which you hear every time you turn yeah. on Q107. I asked him if he's sick of fucking playing that all the time. And um, I've heard from other musicians like they hate playing their big hit or whatever. But he said like the best answer. He's like, you know what? That song got me my home. It got me everything. If people want to fucking hear it. I'm going to play it. And then maybe he'll do the solo a little differently or whatever to make yeah. it interesting for himself or like, like at like change a couple words, just like on the fly or whatever. But he's like, man, you got to kind of realize what brought you to the dance type of thing too. Which yeah, is, yeah. I thought was a cool mentality too. Cause like, I don't know, like uh, it, I can't imagine like, just like, I don't know, hearing like a song like that over and over and over and over. Like I get yeah. sick of playing. It might drive you crazy, but I mean, from the sounds of it, he still is having a great time with it. Yeah. Um, I know some comics will, uh, they, like I, I heard, what's his name? Patton Oswalt. I heard Pat, Patton Oswalt does this. He'll do his set, whatever his new set is. And then say that's like an hour or 45 minutes at the end, he'll do like an extra half hour or so. And he'll just be like, okay, yell out anything. Yell out your your favorite bit. And people will be like, um, I don't know what's that pan also a bit. Like uh, KFC Bowl or like uh, Orgy or something like that. And he'll do old bits for people. Oh, he'll cool. do the classics that people want to hear. But after he does his new shit. Yeah. I heard uh, actually Andrew Dice Clay was like that too. But um, he'd almost like do his old shit the whole time. And like it's people would want that because it was almost like um they listened to the CD so much it like became like a song. It's like yeah. they want to they want to say the punchline together too, which is very rare and interesting as well. Yeah, you watch those old Dice Clay um fucking con concerts. Like Dice Clay was crazy huge, like stadium level comic kind of guy, mm -hmm. and he. Yeah, his shit, like people are yelling out the punchlines with him. And yeah. it's it's like so bizarre to watch stand-up because stand-up, like, I don't know from what we understand, and even all the stand-up that was happening around him at that time was like 
you come in, you sit, like if there's hecklers, you shut a heckler down, but you don't heckle, like it's not encouraged. His sets, it's like a rock show. People are like, yeah, like yell, getting up, like yelling the punchlines with him, high-fiving and shit, like it's yeah, wild. Yeah. And the punchline is usually like something, blah, 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 my cock, oh, yeah, like, and everybody hey. loses. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so simple and it's magic. Like, I don't know, it's like- Yeah, a, man. A Dice clay stuff is wild, <laughs> yeah. wild to watch. Speaking of wild, you did something really wild for the sake of comedy on our last vibe. Uh, we oh uh, yeah, we, yeah 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 fucking so, so Jay was like uh we've been doing the series Are You Smarter Than the Fifth Grader and every time he uh, gets a question wrong he's been eating bugs and for the last one um, actually it was funny like my experience watching the footage at the beginning and you're like oh maybe maybe i'll snort one i'm like yeah. no, is he gonna fucking do it and here we go we get to yeah. the and i snorted a bug man they're like these little uh larva snacks and i just they're, so they're all dried up and i like crushed it up and put it on my hand and just snorted it up and it was like i mean it didn't taste horribly when i snorted it like i could smell it and shit it was just the chunks get like it's like someone shoving something up your nose like <laughs> yeah. and i was just like hacking out these bug bits like some was going down my throat some was coming out of my nose it was fucking horrible but uh you do it for the bit man you do yeah it for the bit i respect that man you committed and uh i've been meaning to ask like uh i wanted to know like how did your nose feel like the next day were you still finding mm -hmm. like pieces of bug and like i don't think it was too bad the next day like yeah. thankfully those things are meant to be ingested so mm -hmm. i i think it broke down fairly easy or i think if it was maybe something like a I don't know something that doesn't break down as easily like if it was i can't think of something off the top of my head maybe mm -hmm. like pixie stick or something it might have hurt a little bit more oh yeah <laughs> i don't know i haven't i don't snort a lot of things so i'm not sure i don't have a lot to compare it to yeah again committing to the bit like that bit had my favorite outtake ever where you you just like uh one of the producers either chris or liam was like let's pretend you don't know how to do coke and you're just like you're in the che like zone you're like i don't know how to do that i can't lose that information <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't forget how to do coke i only know how to do coke yeah like okay, I, if we're, if we're comparing it to coke it yeah. was uh in the moment worse than afterwards better than like the coke the next day your nose is fucked but the bug in the moment was like chunky and stuck in there and shit coke doesn't do that uh reverse coke reverse coke. bugs kids I'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding but uh, yeah we've we've been talking a lot about vibe and most amazing but <laughs> you yourself you have your own youtube channel on that right absolutely we've got little dinky news that's what we got going that's me and cameron phoenix we basically just the whole, like the crux of the show is us talking shit. We talk shit about whatever we're doing and then we stream and we play games. So we stream simultaneously to Facebook, uh, Twitch and YouTube and uh, just to like get it out to as many people possible. And then we're taking the streams and we're cutting it down to like 10 minute chunks and we're just throwing it up there so people can digest it really quickly and can get the content all that way. Or they can come watch us do the full stream if they want. And it's super fun, man. It's just playing games and talking shit and having a good time. And it's like, it's combining a lot of things that I love to do. I love doing stand-up. I love playing video games and meshing them into one. And we like to 
We like to play anything that allows us to harass people. Like, <laughs> we've been playing Red Dead Online recently. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, Any shooter is like toxic so online. So <laughs> toxic. So toxic. So we're like, anything toxic or weird. People really liked when we played this game called Stilt Fella, which was like a stilt walking sim game. And it was so fucking hard. We didn't even beat it. It, it, it. We got deep, but the level gets so, so, so fucking hard. Um, but we'll play stuff like that. Things that are obscure, things that are strange. Like you won't catch us playing anything that's too like dialogue heavy because we're talking shit the whole time. Nice, nice. Um, I just uh, uh, streamed the game uh, that I recommend, an indie game. I think it's on all platforms. It's called Super Blood Hockey. Super actually, Blood Yeah, hockey. it looks like NES ice hockey. Okay. But there is a story mode that's so fucked. So you're, yeah. you're a coach, you name your team, and then you um, it's almost like an RPG. And so you're getting uh, criminals like from a log, you can see their records and stuff. Yeah. And then you're like at your little training camp. And uh, so I was losing a couple games. The game's a little ruthlessly hard if you're losing, like you start losing money and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, um, it's very violent, like your players can die. And if you don't have money, like, yeah. so I learned, like I had my, uh, like, uh, a teammate die and then I couldn't make the full like roster to like put him on the ice. Yeah. All of a sudden in the coach's room, a door just walked and there was just a gun on the floor. I was like, there's no way. And then you go and you pick up the gun and he just offs himself. Really? Yeah. Oh, and even in the game, if you go behind like, um, like your little like fucking uh, locker room, there's yeah. an alleyway and there's a drug dealer. You can buy like weed, you can buy steroids and you give them to the players. And as time's <laughs> going on, like the guy's getting a little more high and like it has RPG elements where it will like, uh, like if you give a guy like cannabis, you'll see him smoking and his brain damage meter will keep going down, but he doesn't uh, want to fight anymore. So, oh, like, <laughs> there's like this crazy balance, but um, it's a, it's a good game and it's like simple enough to have like commentary as it's going on. Oh yeah. That sounds fucking awesome. Super blood. Hot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, actually a guy I had on the show, his name's Sean Daly. He's a musician and a comic book designer too. Uh, one of those, guys, he's like a Joe Rogan. Everything he does turns into a profession. Yeah. But, uh, he randomly uh, was making like NES style tunes on his SoundCloud, like not even like promoting it. And yeah. this guy from like Sweden or Finland, whoever made Super Blood Hockey, found his SoundCloud page and was like, hey, can you do the fucking design, like sound design for this game? Yeah. So all his songs are in the, this game that's on like Switch and Xbox and shit. Like, oh, that's crazy. Sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's pretty sick. And set, oh, shout out God. to Sean. Yeah. Shout out to Sean. And I will have to check out Super Blood Hockey. That game sounds fucking gnarly yeah i love yeah. like old school stuff like that yeah there's such like a resurgence now which i i just love to like being an old gamer and everything yeah the classic games have come back in a big way right now you're getting like a lot of the metroidvanias a lot of the 2d side scrollers and i think it's like small studios like trying to hit get with something that like hits well like um uh, like the good indies like you had like fall guys come out fall mm. guys was like a smash hit and like uh what's that car soccer one rocket oh, league. Uh, rocket league yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah those are all great i like just burning through these games man like a, i love like a little indie that takes you a few hours to beat and you're just like sick that's great 
I put my time in. I had fun with it. That's it. Also, phasmophobia is another one that people are all going crazy over right now. I was I was watching footage of that. Like, I haven't played it. It looks so cool. Like, basically, like, kind of, like, doing, like, ghost hunters type of thing. But, yeah. like, with a team, it looks really scary. I like that. Yeah. But anything gaming, man, I love it. Uh, what What do you game on? What's your platform of choice? Um, right now, it's been, like, PS4 and Switch. Um, I wish... I uh, like I bought a Mac for like editing purposes and stuff like that. But now mm. like I wish like I had a PC just because there's so much good shit on Steam and like um I get some of the indie games on Mac, but I not all of them. Like a lot of them are just made for PC. So uh, yeah, I, I think that would have been my main thing. But right now it's just kind of been uh, a lot of like indie games on Switch actually um, lately. Yeah, no, I, I think if you can get into the PC gaming space, I just got my first gaming laptop like a year ago and it's, it is the way to go, man. It's the future of gaming. I'm convinced now I'm still going to get a PlayStation five. I'll suck someone's dick right now for a PlayStation five. Jesus Christ. Those things oh, are so yeah. fucking hard to get, but PC gaming is like, it's cause you get everything. Everything's coming to there. All like the best Indies are there. If you have, and if you have a strong gaming PC, you can play all the Xbox games on the game pass platform. Just throw them on there. It's the way oh, to go. Amazing. I, I got to get that set up too. Cause uh, like the last like a uh, few generations, I've been a, a PlayStation guy, but at, in my heart, I'm such a halo fan. Yeah. And I, if the, ne- if the next halo is good, I might buy like the cheapest version of whatever the new Xbox is and just like write on it Halo machine and just use and that's it, it for fucking that or get I just like, need Halo setup you were saying and all that. But uh, yeah, well, yeah, if I get on that, we got to rock some shit together and oh, dude, we'll own some noobs. Halo. Yeah, we'll we'll go hard. Halo. When I was a kid, Halo Three. Everyone went off to Call of Duty Four. I stayed on Halo Three. I stayed mm. with Halo. That's my baby. It's just so satisfying. You can get like the floatiness, the shields. Like it's you don't have to have that super quick reaction time like you need in Call of Duty. You don't need to memorize the maps. Like obviously that stuff helps, but it's just it's a more forgiving shooter that's like a little bit more fun to play for people like me who don't have like lightning reaction times and are get stressed out. And also I like just cool shit like a sticky grenade or like a fucking yeah. uh, a laser uh, sword <laughs> yeah that's cool as shit the energy hammer and shit like boom yeah, like that yeah. shit is fucking cool dude you don't have to spend like hours in your menu like customizing like the fucking reticule of your gun and like Ugh. your clips and like that's what i hate about call of duty it's like let's just balance all the guns so we're all even not yeah. like whoever pays the most money gets the best shit type of thing. Like, I love that. Like the old school deathmatch shit. There's guns on the map and mm-hmm. you just go find the guns on the map and you got to remember where the guns spawn. And some people go and like get the rocket launch right away and they cheese you with it. It's like, that's part of the game. Vehicles too. Uh, yeah. Those, yeah. those were the good days, man. Xbox 360, the, like the Xbox 360 entire gen of gaming was like the most toxic, the craziest, like, where when just teenage boys were just hormonal and yelling into microphones <laughs> for the first time ever in their life it's a beautiful time yeah it's it's so facts of i'm i'm a couple years older than you and i think when i was uh 14 um the original xbox i remember the day xbox live came out and me and my buddy we bought it and it was like the first time you can put on a headset and talk and it came with this game called uh mech assault so it was like a bunch of mechs all fighting yeah and 
that day like blew my mind i got in a fight with like this guy i swear he must have been like 50 and he's like i'll fucking kill you he's like what's your address and i got so heated i told him my address i'm like come over bro come over <laughs> and then for like a week i was like thinking about it like oh i shouldn't have did that and like I i'm sleeping with, with like a baseball hat in my room i felt bad because i'm living with my family and shit like that that's so fucking wild, man. No, that is, yeah. Those old school days, there was a, a buddy of mine who talked about a Halo 2 match. I, Halo 2 was original Xbox, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was big into that. like huge. And it was like right when Xbox Live was budding. And he's like, there was one Halo 2 match they played that I think was a 16 on 16. If you could do that, it was 8 on 8. Yeah. And um, it, everyone on one team was Canadian and everyone on the other team was American. Oh, and God. he said it was the most savage match like it was so savage people were like killing people and like blowing shit up they're like boom just like the twin towers whoa this is like years ago like that shit was still fresh yeah yeah that's like two years old when like halo 2 came yeah and he he said it was so vicious that he would like run into someone who was in that match with him like an old buddy and they'd be like hey man you remember that match that canada versus america halo 2 match like it was iconic for them. how could i forget that yeah. was the pinnacle of gaming god i love that shit yeah man. even so for good. a good couple months they had a thing where it was called voice masking and you yeah. can change your voice to sound like a robot or like the killer and scream. So yeah. people didn't even have their own voice. You just hear you freaking, and then like some twelve-year-olds calling you the N-word, and he's like oh, white, and yeah. he's living in his like parents' basement. <laughs> like, the amount of racial slurs that were thrown over original Xbox Live is yeah. in. It might be the most condensed area of racial slurs of all time. They're like flying over there like crazy because now they filter that shit out. Now you can't get away with that. Like PlayStation has something where you can get banned from your PS uh, and account and all that kind of shit, which is fair. They're trying to make it like a more hospitable place for everyone. But yeah. when it when they couldn't keep records of who was thrown around the N word, like it was like it's like it was nothing. They oh, it was it was fucking dirty. Yeah, it was like a Wild West moment. <laughs> I'm oh, glad yeah. I could live that just to see the darkness of humanity. Xbox, yeah. Original Xbox Live. Because most... gamers are, are petty and rude and shitty. I know, I'm one of them, so I know. <laughs> like, you don't fuck with them because they just, they love griefing, they love trolling. Like, you know that uh, World of Warcraft funeral thing, right? Um, I don't know about the funeral thing, yeah. There was like, this was, I think this was a back when it was like vanilla World of Warcraft. And there was someone who died in real life. And people like was, it was on their server was a, a like very prominent character. So they had a funeral for their character in the game. And this was wow. someone who was friends with both Horde and Alliance. So people came to the funeral and everyone disarmed themselves to be like respectful and, and do this funeral and a group of people came and murdered everyone at the funeral. Oh my God. <laughs> they came and just fucking killed everyone and we were like you were horrible and it's a horrible thing to do it's a fucked up thing to do like that's, game of thrones red wedding shit that's what gamers love man they love to just troll and grief and fuck with people yeah, man yeah. and it's uh, it's some of it's like just comes from a place of sadness because they got nothing else. They just have this game and this like fucking oh, yeah. shitty life, and they're just taking well, it out on strangers. And like, there's weird ass subcultures of of gaming. Like 
you know, like EverQuest and like Ashron's Call and like these old MMOs, they're all offline now. Yeah. But people have created uh, like private servers for them where you can still play the game. And I, they're hosted on, I don't know who, who's hosting them, but you, so you have servers that's only like 300 people, 500 people, not a ton of people playing the game there, but enough that you have a community of people that all really know each other and play this game religiously, like play this game 10 hours a day. And it's a game from fucking the nineties. Yeah. And they're, then you, they have chat forums of all this wild shit. I worked with a guy who used to play EverQuest like this. And he's like, it's one of the most insane, toxic things you can imagine. One dude faked a wedding so people would send him items in the game that were worth <laughs> like people grind hours and hours. And in EverQuest, there's, there's a limited amount. It's not like everyone can get the flaming sword of the Phoenix. Like there's one of those. And if you kill that dude, maybe you can get it. Maybe if you kill this certain thing, it'll drop. But there's not multiples of this. And there's one of like, so say there, you know how like in World of Warcraft, you'll raid? Yeah, yeah. And you go into a raid instance, you're protected. There, the raid monsters out in the wild and anyone can come attack it. So they would like have the other guild as like attacking the raid monster and then they would aggro a bunch of monsters and run towards them. So they get this flood of shit that just starts fucking attacking them and they would just fuck with each other. And so there's like this chat form of like people, this dude faked a wedding to get items in the game. One dude got kicked out of the server and he threatened to kill himself. He like posted a video of him holding a noose and shit. Holy like, shit. They go, it's like deep old feuds between people that only play EverQuest that's from the fucking 90s, man. It's been going for 25 years. It's insane, man. Yeah, man. MMOs are dangerous, too. Um, I had one experience with it, and it was just right before World of Warcraft came out. It was called uh, City of Heroes. It's basically Mm. World of Warcraft, but superheroes instead of guilds. Like, you're like, build X-Men teams, all real fucking people. Mm. And I swear, it was like heroin to me. Like, for a good like summer like i lost the summer in my teenage years because all i did was work and i'd go on this game i'd see the same people next thing i know it feels like a blink of time and the sun's coming up mm-hmm. and um i had this fucking character this is so dumb <laughs> um, basically like everybody's got all these crazy powers but i realize you can get like uh be like a weapon based guy so i i made a guy inspired by like the punisher but he was a priest and I was calling him the sin slayer and he just kills nice. people who commit sin. Yeah. So um, as my team's leveling up and stuff, they're getting the abilities to fly super speed so they can run to missions and stuff like that. And my guy, like I'm like, I was so in character. I wouldn't, even though I could upgrade, I'm like, I'm not flying. He doesn't fly. I'm t- and I, they'd have to wait for me. I take all the subway trains and they wanted to kick me out of the guild. I'm like, no, like I was in the, I was the sin slayer. I'm like, he doesn't fly. He doesn't run. Yeah. And, uh, this bitch wasn't on who like uh, had like a teleporting power. Like yeah. wait all night for me. Just for you to get around the city. That's around so town. funny. You're and like, I hey, up, this is it. This yeah, is my I woke up Sorry, one yes. day and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And yeah. I just uninstalled it. I'm like, get this away from me. It's like, yeah, it's bad. That's how you snap out of it. I played World of Warcraft, not super long, only about six months. And I, I went to a party. I was a teenager and I went to a party and I came back and I was like, I've been spending every Friday night doing this and every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like, and I could be out like partying with my friends. I was like, gals and gods, that's it. We're done. We're done with World of Warcraft, man. It was, yeah. but it's, it is so addictive. But the, the genres kind of died out uh, and they need to fucking, there's, I think there's still possibility to bring it back if you, if you make it mean again. 
It has to be me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, us as humans, we thrive on the primal, visceral shit. And now it's yeah. like watered down. People are like, oh, video games aren't that exciting anymore, you know? Like, it, well, I like the idea of there being a world where there's real investment, mm-hmm. where there's like, it, there's only a certain amount of, of items, there's only a certain amount of things, and you come in and you can like fight and try to get your way. But like, if a dude has the staff of destiny, it's like, there's one staff of destiny. And it's like that dude can come and like wreck people and kill people or you can try and kill him or like whatever it is. But it's, it, I, I think if they do stuff like that, it could potentially help the genre come back. But for now, hey, there's, there's no way for now we have Fortnite. Yeah. And you know what? That's good for guys like me and you who have other ambitions in life and we can, we can get shit done. You know, we yeah. don't have to live there. Even like I hear a lot from Rogan, like he used to be a big into quake games. Yeah. And, um, I think for a while last year they installed like a new one, like in their office. And he's like, I had to fucking get rid of it. It's just yeah, like, he was like, fuck this, fuck this. Yeah. No, that and, and, is not, like, and not because he hates it because he likes it too much. Like in a dangerous yeah. way. Yeah. No, a good game is, Good games are hard to come by. Not hard to come by. There's tons of good games. And there's good games for everyone. But it's like sometimes you can't get the one that just really itches the spot right. Like the new Doom came out this year. That's like, I love those games. I was playing it before you, uh, before we started this. Oh, I've right already, on, right on. I've already beat it. And then I was like, ah, well, I need something to dick around in. So I just started up a level and I was like, ah, I'll just fucking rip. I'm like, this game is fucking great. Oh, yeah. It just feels good and everything. But when you get hooked into something like that, a good game, it's like, I don't want to put it down. Like, I, I don't want to go stop and go work out or talk to people. Like, I just want to just want to play this game. That's yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, I have that seed in me, too. When I find the right game, I'll just go full full bore with it. But do you feel like you get that similar feeling, like, in your life when you jumped into, like, comedy or, like, pursuing all this stuff where you just – had that obsession and you can see where it leads and it keeps going and going. It's like infinite, like leveling up and everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's tons of similarities in that. Like, I really think that you're like this same pursuit we're going through with like stand up and entertainment and all these kind of things. A, a, you, you get this gratification, the, like a similar gratification to like beating a game or beating a level or beating a hard boss, like that you do when you're like, push further in your career you you feel so fucking good when you've been working towards something like i recorded an album this year and like working towards that being able to record the album and hearing like the final product i'm like fuck i did that i did that i spent years putting the material together learning how to do stand up doing all this organized everything got the album out and i'm like fuck yeah man like that's that is it makes you feel like you can actually make it happen in this um I think the biggest difference though is like there's like a sense of security when you're playing a game you're like you can restart and do things as many times as you want <laughs> yeah yeah and when you're in entertainment it's like you have to constantly be chasing what that next bread is because you never know when it's going to stop coming like for a lot of people this coronavirus hit and it's like oh i have no backup plan i like i i have been doing stand-up or doing whatever it is in the entertainment space and like i can't now and you're like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah, and that's scary. It's like it was so yeah. unexpected too. It's like a lot of people, like all our lives, have been changed by it. You know, it's absolutely. It's but uh, but Shay, I want to thank you for bringing great energy to this show, man. It's always infectious. I I feel blessed to be around guys like you and other people at the most amazing office lately. It's uh, I don't know. It's you guys have been really fueling my fire uh, creatively and like helping me grow too. And it's um it's cool to just even like 
um, tap into like your whole story too. Cause usually like when we see each other, it's small talk or we're talking about what we're doing and everything. But um, yeah, this has been a, a great talk brother. Yeah, man. I had a great time, dude. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, yeah. And I'll, 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 I'll see you on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and before we go, once again, uh, let's name your YouTube channel, um, your so, album, uh, like let's fucking put it all let's, up. Let's fill it all in. Let's get everything. So I'm on uh, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook as Little Dinky News. We're on uh, TikTok as well, Little Dinky News. We're posting short clips there. You can find my personal stuff. Stuff. Everything is Chaterena. Twitter, TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all Chaterena. And uh, what else? Uh, oh, yeah. My album is called Tales from Your Butthole. That's what my <laughs> album is called. Very fitting. And yeah, for people who are listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, we're going to end with a little clip from Tales from from your butthole or from the butthole? From my butthole. From Jay's butthole. Thanks. Catch you next week. No, I try to take it easy. If I do drugs and go out, I just like get high and go to a movie. That's my thing. I love it. So I haven't seen a movie sober in 10 years. I'm going to go, fuck, man. If you're watching a movie sober, you're a fucking idiot. Who the fuck is doing that? I even have a ritual. What I do, outside the theater, I smoke a joint. As soon as I sit down, I eat an edible. That's what I do every movie. Yeah, but you got to do it like that. Because if you, you, have you ever smoked before you see a movie? Yeah. Halfway through the movie, you get less high, right? When you eat the edible, halfway through the movie, you're like, oh, fuck, I'm getting more high. <laughs> Holy shit. What a twist. <laughs> Makes the movie so much better, man. But you got to time it right. If you fuck it up, if you eat the edible too soon, it'll still make the movie better. But it makes buying snacks fatal, man. It fucks you up at <laughs> the snack counter. I did it recently. Ate my edible too soon. I got to the snack counter. I always get nachos before I watch a movie. So I got to go to the counter. I'm like, hey, uh, can I get nachos? And the girl at the counter was like, yeah, you want two cheese, two salsa, or one cheese, one salsa? And I was like, there's numbers flying at me like, bling, 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 There's a dude in my head flying a plane. He's like, ah, we got hit by lightning. <laughs> so I asked the girl, I'm like, can I get two cheese? She hands me the nachos. As soon as I touched her, I was like, <gasps> I was holding my breath the whole time. I was like, oh, fuck. And that's not even the worst thing I ever did in the movies. The worst thing I ever did. I got nachos as my snack for the movie A Quiet Place, guys. <laughs> it's a terrible move, man. It's terrible. The whole movie is just people going, shh. And I was in there like, I couldn't even chew the chips. I'd have to take a nacho and put it in my mouth, and I would compress it with my tongue against the roof of my mouth. And then it would just swallow the chip. <laughs> so sharp. It's so sharp, guys. God damn. And there's a few parts in that movie where it's loud. There's like a waterfall or something. Everyone's watching the movie. And I was like... <laughs> just trying to eat all the chips in one go, man. Oh. And my, by far my favorite genre of movie, of anything, is anything that's like ancient Greece or ancient Rome. I love that shit, like Gladiator, 300, all those movies. Because there's so much that goes on in those movies. You'll have like war, sex, violence, politics, 
white slaves. (laughs) That's fucking sick, dude. Yeah. And they make the white slaves do fucked up shit, too. They're like, fight that tiger. I'm like, yeah, do it, man. (laughs) Get in there. Kill the tiger for me, because I want to watch it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh. But what's crazier than all that shit is that everyone in the movie only wears sandals. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Alexander the Great's like, I'm taking over your country. And people are like, your toes are out, man. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Julius Caesar got stabbed 23 times by a guy in sandals. His assassin wore sandals, stabbed him, and then ran away in sandals (laughs) on marble. And he thought he was going to get away. Everyone just heard like slap, 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 slap. Are you kidding? If you went back in time with some Nike Air Maxes, you could topple Rome. You could fuck the whole place up. Oh, just juke a centurion army. They're like, oh, the lateral movement. <laughs> That's it. Ooh. I don't even know if I go to the movies for the movie. I think I just go for the previews. I fucking love the previews. You guys fuck with the previews? Yeah, right? If you want to make the previews better, movie has rules. Don't go on your phone. Don't talk and shit. The previews is the Wild West. You can do whatever the fuck you want in the previews. See an old lady walking up, just go, boom, just kick her down the stairs. It's the previews, bitch. Get smart. That's it. Doesn't fucking matter, dude. Throw your nachos in people's faces. Like, I got time to get more. It's the previews. I don't give a fuck, dude. I saw someone get a divorce in the previews. Straight up. Saw this dude take off his ring, he threw it on the ground. He was like, I don't love you anymore. And the lights started coming down. He's like, we'll talk about this later. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, man. Oh, 